Okay, everyone, welcome to episode 42. Welcome, welcome to anyone new who's here to the podcast. Bonjour, how are you? Great to have you. Great to have all my listeners. Um, Okay, this is going to be a really good episode, I feel, because I'm going to be answering a lot of questions that I received. This is kind of like a part two for how to get over your ex, um, which is what we started on last week, but with a bit of a change because I'm going to be focusing on three things in particular. Number one, how to move on without closure. Number two, how to move on from someone who has cheated on you and the pain is so big. So you've got that heartbreak of losing them, but then you've also got that pain of being like deceived and kind of backstabbed by this person. So it's like a two-pronged knife. Um, And then thirdly, how to um, get over a love that was unrequited. So an unreciprocated love where you've just been absolutely in love with someone. They don't love you back and it's just, it's never going to happen. So it's time to move on. How do you move on from that when a relationship never happened? So there was no kind of heartbreak or, or specific pain that was caused, but you're like, I need to, you know, move forward with my life. How do I let go of this thing that's never going to happen? So I'm going to be tackling those three things in this podcast. I've had so many messages around that. So I picked those three main ones to be the focus for today's episode. All right. As usual, I'm going to give you guys a quick wrap up on my week that was slash what's happening in my life. There's a few exciting things coming up. And then I thought I'd talk about a bit of a pet hate because it kind of resurfaced this week. And you know, I love to talk and I love to share my loves and what pisses me off. So I'm going to be touching on that as well. Okay. So also just a little fun thing. Um, I was walking this morning in um, Circular Quay in Sydney and this gorgeous girl, Georgia, shout out to Georgia. She literally like, I had my headphones in and she's waving me down, stopping me. She's like, oh my God, I love you. I listened to your podcast. We even got a selfie together. It was a fucking vibe. So Georgia, if you're listening, love you so much. That was awesome. Just absolutely love and appreciate when you guys stop me wherever I am on the street, at a restaurant, I don't care. Keep doing it because it just fills me with so much happiness to know that you guys are enjoying the podcast and enjoying the content and being able to, you know, implement that content in your life. So thrilled about that. Okay, let's start with my week that was. Probably the most exciting thing to happen to me this week in the last week was that I received the first copy of my book. It is amazing. I love it so much. Everything about it, I love the cover. It's like a hard cover. It's like, you know those fabric bound covers? It's orange. It's called Be Bold. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to be sharing exactly what it looks like and everything on my Instagram in the next week or so, so you guys will see. It will be released in April. I do believe that there may be the opportunity to pre-order the book as well. I'll be keeping you guys updated on the podcast and also on my Instagram. If you're not already following me, it's at Alexis Predez, P-R-E-D-E-Z, um, on Instagram. So I'll be updating you with everything that's happening with the book. But that is super exciting and there's a lot more to come with that. So thrilled to actually get that first copy and have my hands on it and it's so weird because I've got this book and I'm flipping through it and it's like I wrote these words oh it's uh honestly I could just I feel like I need to jump up and down with excitement about this um because I have had this idea of writing a book for a very long time and it's the idea was you know would I want to write fiction would I want to write about the brain all these things and then when the podcast kind of started I thought to myself, that's it. I'm going to like finish uni and this is all pre-COVID by by the way. I'm going to finish uni, get that done. And once uni finishes, I'm going to go to Paris 
my spirit city. It's like my kindred soul of a city. I'm going to go to Paris and spend about a month or two months there and just write a book. And I honestly feel when you put something out there and you've so wholeheartedly are committed to doing it, but there's no resistance, then it just happens faster than you expected. So I put it out there. I'm like, that's what I'm doing. It's it's non-negotiable. It's happening. Then 2020 was rolling around and in less than probably seven months after starting the podcast and having this decision, I got contacted by a publisher to write the book. So it was way earlier than expected. It was still during uni. It was not in Paris, but I'm like, you need to like take the reins and run with it. So I was like, I'm just going to absolutely do it. And it was just so intense. I even had to drop a subject at uni because I was like, I so badly want to do this book. I've been wanting to do it for years. So just do it. Anyway, so... That's my little story about the book. So that's all happening. Second to that, um, tomorrow. So I'm recording this on a, on Friday, the nineteenth of Feb. Um, tomorrow, I'm flying to the Gold Coast with Liv, who has been on the podcast, my bestie Liv. We're flying up to go to one of our best friends Nikki's thirtieth birthday on the Gold Coast. So excited! It's going to be such a strong, strong mood. It's like I don't know if you guys know the photographer Slim Aaron's, like this really cool kind of. They do. He does photography like in these like really cool houses by pools with everyone kind of in like a really bougie either bikinis or 60s style. So she's theming the birthday party like that. It's going to be amazing. Then I'm staying in the Gold Coast for another week after that and I'm going to be shooting all this content for Rachel Dillon's app, the Bodies by Rachel app. So if you guys aren't already part of that app and you want some content there, I highly recommend. She's got some incredible workouts. Um meal recipes and absolutely everything there she's an absolute gun I've spoken about how much I love her before so highly recommend you check out the app but yeah I'm going to be doing not only workout videos but also mindset videos for her app as well can't wait for that um yeah so that's a bit of an update on what's going on in my life at the moment now pet hate let's get to the pet hate segment so one of the things that I hate so much is when I'm just going to talk about it from my perspective, but I'm sure it happens for everyone. But basically when brands contact somebody regarding something that that person already has and asks them to promote it. So for example, I've been contacted several times by different companies about those, you know, those devices that you like attach to your ass or your abs and it like vibrates and it gives you like 20,000 contractions in 10 minutes or whatever. And it's like doing 20,000 squats or whatever. I'm not saying it does or doesn't work. I haven't done the scientific background research, although I must say that most of the time these companies, the studies that these companies have done are sponsored by themselves. So the best way to see if something works is if you've got like an unbiased third party study being run about that product. But regardless, I'm not standing here saying that it doesn't work. It may work. It might be great. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that these companies are saying, hey, do you want this free service for the next month and then you get 50% off for whatever um, basically for you know this electrode to be connected to your ass so you get this butt lift and I'm like I already train very hard I'm very happy with my ass so if I then turn around and say I got this ass from this electrode thing where I lied on a table and it made me do 20,000 contractions I'm like that's a fucking lie like I've built my muscle from years of training because I've worked my ass off because it's what I want to do and it's because I'm trying to work towards a feel and a look that I that makes me happy, right? 
But here is this company being like, can you promote this? So if I was to jump on my Instagram being like, guys, I got my flat stomach or my ass from this electrode thing. It's a fucking lie. Like, I don't understand why these companies don't go to someone who's like, look, say, say someone's like, I really want to build an ass, but I've got a flat ass. Wouldn't that be the perfect candidate, you would think, for a company to be like, well, let's see if this truly works. Let's put these electrodes on your quote unquote flat ass let's grow it and then you can truly see the before and after results from this machine you don't go to someone who's already been training glutes for years and say hey promote our thing and say that it works it's fucking bullshit so that is my pet hate and I get contacted by these people all the time waist trainers as well fucking hate that shit hate that shit For me, the shit that I post on my Instagram is actually stuff that I need. Like I'm always posting stuff about my skin because I've always suffered with like eczema and allergies and rashes and, you know, never acne, but it's kind of like like a hivey or red rash breakout or or itchiness all the time. So I'm genuinely going to post about things that are good for my skin, that I feel work for my skin and that kind of stuff. You're not going to ever see me promoting something that gives you the results where I already have those results that I've obtained a completely different way. So that is my pet hate. Anyway, now you know. Okay, that's that. Let's move on. Let's get straight into the subject of today's podcast. There's those three things that I said I was going to talk about. Let's start with part one of three, how to move on when you were never given closure. Point one. We have this weird idea in our head, as in we as individuals, we as a society, just in general, that we need to seek closure, that in order to move on, we need to get closure from the person that hurt us. But it doesn't really make sense if you think about it. Even if you, like, I think, and we tell ourselves this because there might be unanswered questions. And I'm like, the biggest culprit of this. In my breakups in the past, I have just suffered so much longer than I needed to because I was waiting for this closure. And another thing that I was doing is holding on to hope, but that's completely different. Um, But I was waiting for closure. I was waiting for like in one particular breakup where someone ended it and was like, no, you're fine. It's just, it's just, I just don't love you anymore. I just can't be with you anymore. And I never felt like I had a true answer as to why the relationship ended, especially because he was like the whole, it's not you, it's me thing. And so I was like, well, I need to know, I need to know for this. I need to know for my future relationships. I need to know all these things. And now I can't move on or I can't enter a new relationship comfortably until I have these answers from you. So that way I can, you know, know where it went wrong, know what happened, know all these things and then move forward. So while it's great and really lovely and kind for the person that's breaking up with you to give you as many reasons as possible, we need to stop relying on that being the tool that we need to move forward with our lives. The reason for this is that person ultimately is the person that hurt you. They're the ones that broke your heart. They're the ones that have made you you know, cry yourself to sleep every night or super heartbroken or, you know, not trust in other people anymore. What we need to realize is that, and this is the truth, but we refuse to acknowledge it, is that we won't actually feel that much better if we had an answer from them. The closure that you are seeking is no way near as beneficial or as satisfying as you think it is. You are telling yourself this because it is comforting to you because you feel so helpless that you are telling yourself that you need closure because to you, you feel like 
there's nothing that can help you move on. So you're holding on to that one thing that's not in your power. And because it's not in your power, it's allowing you to feel that you're not responsible or you're not at fault for the fact that you can't get over it. But unfortunately, you are 100% responsible to get over it. You're not responsible for what happened. You're not responsible for any of that other person's actions. But you, from this day on, the moment that person says, I'm no longer in your life, whether they give you a reason or not, the moment that person taps out of your life, it is now 100% your responsibility to do the work to move on and become happy again. And we don't want to face that challenge because it's a fucking hard thing to do. It's very hard to do. It's not easy. It never is easy. And the work that is required to move on is difficult. It's tedious. And it requires you to really, you know, not lean on your pain, but instead become vulnerable again and put yourself out there again and try new things and go out on a limb. And all those things are very um, uncomfortable and unsettling. And I always talk about, you know, the brain always liking comfort and safety and, you know, being vulnerable, putting yourself out there, the opportunity of getting hurt again, all these things, you're going to, the initial response of the brain is, oh, that looks like it's going to cause me discomfort or pain. So I'm going to fully pull back from that. That's why we avoid doing these things. That's why we avoid like reaching out or putting ourselves out there or just vulnerability in general. The thought of it makes us feel terrified right especially when you're in such a low point of a heartbreak where your confidence is probably a bit shaken or shattered for some people um, and when your your happiness is at an all-time low and when your drive to do things is also at an all-time low so in that position being vulnerable is even harder so you've got this subconscious thing this little devil on your shoulder saying don't do that don't do that don't do that so because we don't want to do all these things we feel so powerless and then we attribute that feeling of powerlessness to the fact that we never got closure when in reality the the powerlessness comes from our lack of action and like it's fair enough that we haven't taken action for everything I just said because it's terrifying and because our subconscious is saying don't 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 get hurt again be safe the brain prefers safety. It's got this fear-based mentality of like all these things could cause me pain. So I'm now, you know, blocking you from doing that or I'm trying to convince you that it's not a good idea to do that. And we don't like to admit that to ourselves. We don't like to admit that we can't do that or that the reason that we haven't moved on is because we haven't taken the action to move on. So we always dump the reason why we haven't moved on onto the fact that we never got a good reason for the breakup. We never got closure. But you now need to understand that the moment someone taps out of the relationship, they no longer hold any responsibility over your emotions moving forward. Well, the way I look at it is no one should ever hold responsibility over your emotions ever. But let's just say that in your relationship, that person was the reason for a lot of your happiness. The moment they leave that relationship, they are now no longer indebted to you to make you feel a certain way I don't care if they're the nicest person in the world or the biggest asshole in the world they are not responsible for that they owe you nothing and it's it sounds harsh but until you can understand that your ex owes you nothing absolutely nothing in regards to emotion and healing 
then you actually are going to start the healing process in that moment. If you sit there and think they owe me this, they owe me that, you are just you you are reiterating I'm powerless, I'm powerless, I'm powerless, okay? Because every all the tools are in that person's hand. And worse, all the tools are in the person who broke your heart. They're in that person's hands. So it's this crazy lie that we've told ourselves because it is, as much as it doesn't feel like it, it is a protective mechanism. We use that to protect ourselves from more pain. We use that to protect ourselves from knowing that we are actually the ones responsible, not them. And there's a big difference between who's to blame versus taking responsibility, okay? So it's never got to do with you're the one to blame, but it is 100% your responsibility to do the work once that person has left your life. And another thing that we need to remember is that when you are in that slump, heartbreak, you know, feeling depressed, feeling powerless, feeling abandoned, weirdly enough, in a sickening way, pain is comforting, right? Because from where you stand, you are already in pain. So it's like, it's the devil you know. You are in your pain, but you know it, right? You know how it feels like and it almost is your safety blanket of staying in this cycle of pain and cycle of self-pity and cycle of like, oh, I'm here, you know, I'm so devastated, I'm so heartbroken. It's like you get really well acquainted with those emotions and while it feels awful, it's weirdly, weirdly comforting, okay? And it's not to say you like it, but it is a comfort, because the alternative is not comforting at all. Vulnerability is not comforting. It's very rewarding to be vulnerable. It, it will give back to you tenfold what you put into being vulnerable, but it's not comforting. It doesn't feel good to put yourself out on a limb, especially if you're not used to it, especially if you're coming from a terrified, fearful place, especially if you put yourself out there and get shut down. So it reaffirms in your head, you're thinking, I should have never done that. I should have never put myself out. I'm suffering. I'll just revert to my comfort little circle of pain. Okay, so you have to acknowledge that that right now is where you're at. You are in this weirdly comforting circle of pain because you are avoiding discomfort, which is vulnerability, which is saying, I'm no longer, I'm no longer going to wallow in my pity. I'm no longer going to continue to bring this up in conversation and have people be my support network. I'm going to stop talking about it and put myself out there. That doesn't feel good, the thought of that, because you still need the comfort and you still need the support. So you need to find that kind of balance, right? And then you don't want to go the other way. So for me, what happened with me when I was going through like my big breakup is that I took it to the other extreme where I noticed that I was talking to everyone about it and no one ever said it to me, but I could tell that I sounded like a broken record. It's all I would talk about. I kept bringing it up. I was like, I'm suffering because of this. Oh, and I'd tell the same stories again and again and again to my parents, my siblings, my cousins, my friends, my whole fucking family, my whole inner circle. They probably heard the same shit come out of my mouth 30,000 times. Then it got to a point where I could see that they were a bit concerned that I just wasn't moving on. But because I was like, I never got closure. How am I supposed to move on? I'm suffering here. I'm dying. No one ever told me why the breakup had to happen. No one ever gave me a proper reason. So I'm in this like, in this cycle of resentment and heartbreak 
but I could see that other people around me were concerned that it was just taking me so long to move on that I then stopped talking about it, but I didn't change my mindset. So it doesn't help to just stop talking about it, but then suffer in silence. That's not what I'm saying to do. Because then what I did was I suffered in silence. Instead of stop talking about it and stop telling myself the same narrative. I just stopped talking about it but continued to reiterate the same narrative in my head. So then I was heartbroken and isolated when it's not like anyone around me said stop talking about it, we don't want to hear it. No one ever said that to me. They were really – I had a very good support network around me but I could just see that it was getting to a point where I was worried that I would upset them because they would then be worried about me not recovering from this – breakup or from this you know situation that had happened to me so then I isolated myself so when I say stop talking about it it's no use to stop talking about it if you are not changing the narrative that you're telling yourself if you're not going to change the narrative that you tell yourself you probably should continue to talk talk about it because you still need that external support network to help you when you are down okay so I would never advocate for you to just isolate yourself and your pain what I would highly recommend is that you change the narrative from from the root which is you and then when you change that narrative that is when you change the language and the conversations that are occurring around you now something else that you need to ask yourself about closure is closure an excuse to talk to your ex again or to make contact or to bring up the conversation with your ex because again I'm the biggest fucking culprit of that what I did with my ex ex is that when it ended I was after like two weeks I was or a week or whenever I messaged him being like we need to talk I never got answers I never got closure and he was you know nice enough or whatever you want to call it he was like yeah of course we can that's fine so we sat down and I was like we have to go to a cafe because I don't want it to be at your home because I'm just going to be crying the whole time if I'm in public I'll probably pull my shit together and try not to cry so I can have a proper conversation so we met at this cafe and I had written down like I'm not joking a page of questions to ask him and I sat down there and I thought I'm going to gain a lot out of this but at the same time I also thought maybe if we can have this conversation and he gives me a reason, maybe I can then answer those questions and justify all these reasons and then we can try and get back together again. That's what I was telling myself in my head. So ask yourself, do I hold on to this need for closure because I feel that it will connect me with my ex, it will help me re reignite a conversation or reignite the fire or, or get us talking again? Because if that's what you're doing, you need to stop. Because with me, he answered all the questions, which he really couldn't give many answers to. He attempted to answer the questions, but most of them was like, I feel bad that I can't give you a reason. It's not that. It's not that. So he, nothing really was answered, but he still addressed every question that I had. And then I left that encounter feeling so fucked. I felt even worse because I had just seen him again and I just heard him reiterate everything to me again. It's like... I actively chose to walk into this knife and twist myself around the knife and cause myself exponential amounts of pain for me. Like I did that to myself. He didn't come crawling back into my life being like, hey, just a heads up, let's reiterate everything I just said when I dumped you. I chose that. And I then was in more pain. And again, I was like not eating for a few days, crying myself to sleep every, you know, 
30 minutes. It was just a disaster. And But I had completely walked myself into that situation because I was trying to cling on to any opportunity to try and bring him back into my life, whether it was for a conversation, a call, a text message. It didn't matter. That's what I was trying to do. Wrong move from my end. I shouldn't have done that and it made, made, made me take a few steps back. If that person has said, I don't want to be with you, they have a fucking phone, okay? They, if they change their mind, they can text you, they can call you. If they're not doing that, then they have not changed their mind. So do not reach out to them thinking maybe they'll change their mind if they see me because they won't. I can tell you right now, they won't, okay? At most, they might pity you, you get back together for a tiny bit of time and then they dump you again because they only return to you out of pity. You do not want to be in a situation where you're trying to get someone to be with you out of pity. And closure is the shittest reason for you to reach out to an ex. Just don't do, don't do that to yourself. Okay, let's cover number two. How to move on from someone who has cheated on you. So this is obviously horrible, again, I can raise my hand right now and say, me too, I've been in that situation. I, I honestly think I should just write a book on all these great like personal stories that I have. They've, um, they've actually served me quite well. I'm not being sarcastic when I say that because they've served me to really understand positions that other people are in. I've seen the mistakes that I've made in my recovery. So I'm actually quite grateful that I've been in all these situations where I've had you know, the breakup with no closure or the breakup when someone's just gone on a rampant cheating rampage. Um, I've gone through that and I'm actually quite thrilled now, not at the time, I can guarantee I was not thrilled back then, but I can tell you I'm quite thrilled now that it happened because now I have like quite an understanding of those situations that people find themselves in and I truly do understand because the pain is pretty unbearable and I, when I, before I had gone through a heartbreak, I would see other people go through a heartbreak and I would look at them and be like, yeah, okay, it's really sad, but fuck like do something with your life like what are you doing and I never really got it and then I went through heartbreak and then now I can truly understand so very happy that I've been gifted if you want to call it the opportunity to experience those things and also it's been like brilliant stories for the podcast so cheers to my exes for that can't thank you enough for all of those moments in my life okay if someone has cheated on you that in a way, is a blessing. It sounds cooked, but it's a blessing, okay? Because if someone leaves you and they're the perfect person, it's almost it's almost harder in a way to get over them because they are this perfect person and you hold them in such high esteem and they just didn't want to be with you and it's just a matter of them not loving you anymore. So it is quite difficult to move on from that because you just think, but everything was so perfect, you're so perfect, everything was so great, why did it have to end? When someone cheats on you, they give you a gift They give you the gift of unwrap this, I'm a piece of shit, okay? So you then can start unraveling who that person truly was, what their morals truly are, all of that. And then you can start to easily find things that you don't like about that person, like the fact that they're not loyal when you were, that it was not a two-way street, that you were being all certain things to this person, but they weren't reciprocating that back to you. So you can start to really unpick that and find some golden things to remind yourself of. Every time you think of something good about them, you can look, but they were a dickhead, we didn't have the same morals, this, that, whatever. They didn't, you know, whatever it was. But you can think of all these things and it actually helps you. That anger will help you because if you look at, There's this chart that you can look at. I think it's um, 
Esther Hicks has a book. I can't remember the name of it. I'll try and reference it on my um, Facebook group. But basically she charts um, – she charts – Joe Dispenza also does something similar. But they chart energy frequencies and what's the lowest vibrating energy all the way up to the highest vibrating energy of gratitude and joy and, you know, powerlessness and fear is actually the lowest. Anger, weirdly enough – is a step up from that. So if you're in a situation where you are absolutely powerless, you can actually elicit feelings of anger to make you feel a little bit better. You don't want to hover there for too long. I'm not saying be angry and like, because I'm not about resentment. I think that just causes you more pain than anyone else. But if that's going to help you just take that next vibration step up to be like, okay, at least I'm not hopeless. At least I can be like, I don't need to be with you because I'm angry at you because you're a fuckwit. That is the next vibration step up. So that is the gift that a cheater can give you. It gives you the ability to be angry. If someone is a legend, it's hard to be angry with them. They just left you because they didn't love you, right? So now that, that's the main thing that they give you. Another thing that you need to think about is that, again, like I said with this closure thing, even though they were awful to you, if they're no longer in your life, they still owe you nothing. They, like if they don't want to apologize – I mean, that sucks, but they cheated on you, didn't they? So their apology shouldn't mean fucking shit to you. If they were, you know, not loyal to you and doing stuff behind your back when you were loyal, fuck their apology. It probably doesn't really... You don't need their apology to move forward because it's coming from someone whose morals don't align with you. Yeah, if they apologise, that's great. But really, an apology is always better for the person that's giving it because you're the one that truly wants to make amends. You're the one. But if you're receiving the apology, don't act, don't, don't like hold your breath for this apology, okay? It doesn't matter. If they give it to you, yeah, cool. If they don't, cool. It doesn't matter because I kind of know the person you are. So apology from you, I'm not holding my breath. I don't really need that. That's where you want to get to. If you're waiting for an apology, it's like waiting for closure. It is putting the power in your ex's hands. So the apology, forget about it. If they give it to you, whatever. If they don't, whatever. Forget about the need for an apology. Move on from that. Next, you want to realize that, like I said, that person now, because they're not in your life, they don't owe you anything. I know it feels like they do because they were so horrible, but if you feel like they owe you something, then again, you're not moving forward. So you've got to get into your head that the person that I was with, no matter what they did to me, they now owe me nothing because they're no longer in my life. If they're not in your life anymore, as far as a romantic relationship is concerned, they don't owe you shit, okay? Even if they are the parent of your child, they still emotionally, from a romantic standpoint, you want to look at it as they owe me nothing. They can do all the things possible, but as long as you don't expect it, then you're going to feel a lot better about it if they don't give it to you. You have to manage your expectations, not try to manage situations out of your control because that is where anxiety, despair, depression, stress, that's where all that comes from, from trying to manage people and things that are not in your control. And this is a prime example of it. Now, when someone has cheated on you, another thing you have to realize is that that person, whether you like it or not, is off now living their best life. They might even now be in a relationship with the person that they cheated on you with. They're now just cruising along on easy street and you are here suffering, dying in a hole, waiting for this person to whatever, like make right their wrongs to you and all of that, okay? But you now have the right and you actually have the duty to yourself to go and also go and live your best life, to also have a great time, 
to also be able to bounce back from that relationship and being like, yes, despite the pain, you gave me the gift to let me know for sure that you are not the person that I need to be with moving forward into the future. Clearly, because our morals clearly do not align. Okay? You owe it to yourself because nobody else is going to give it to you. Nobody is going to give that to you. This ability to go and, you know, be happy again and be vulnerable again and live your best life, nobody can give that to you, especially not your ex, especially not your ex who went behind your back and did something, you know, that knew would be painful for you and still did it because they didn't have your best interest at heart, okay? That's what you need to hold top of mind. You are the only person that can do that. So you owe it to yourself. You need to do this for yourself because nobody will. Now, to wrap up the moving on from someone that's cheated on you is, and this is in general with moving on from people, one of the big reasons why we struggle to move on is because we need that person in our life. You have to... Do the work on yourself before you enter the next relationship. You want to get yourself to the point where you don't need anybody. I genuinely think that the reason I love Tyrone so much, my boyfriend, is because I don't need him at all. So it's there's no like weird need or attachment or he's not soothing an insecurity within me. I love him so much because it's just a pure love. I just want to be with him. I want the best for him and I want to be around him. That is truly why I think I've never loved anyone the way I love Tyrone because I'm so – I'd built myself up after the breakups. I'd learned a lot from these this journey that I'd been on and from the pain and from recovering that in order to feel true happiness, I needed to stop – emotionally relying on other people I needed to stop especially romantically I needed to stop thinking that that person is going to fill a void because if you're thinking that person is going to fill a void then that void is actually always there because you are the only one that can provide certain things for you including true happiness so if you think I need to be in a relationship to be happy then you get into a relationship with somebody right and you've got this honeymoon period, you're feeling really good and you think that they are now the cause of your happiness when in reality, you've just told yourself that but you're not doing the work to make yourself happy. Then the relationship might break down for whatever reason, it breaks down and then you think, I'm now unhappy and you're the cause of that. But that's a wrong, that's a flawed dynamic because you you might be heartbroken because you miss them, that's natural and normal but to think that that person stole your happiness is telling yourself a lie. That happiness was not there to begin with. You were not satisfied with areas in your life. And now, now that the breakup has occurred, you have the opportunity. You've got two options. One, jump into another relationship and tell yourself the lie again. Or two, work on yourself to get to the point where you no longer need somebody to satisfy an emotional lack in your life. You need to be the one that provides everything for yourself emotionally. That way, when you enter romantic relationship, it's purely because you want it and you love them purely. You no longer need them. They're not, you're not telling yourself that, oh, now I'm okay because that person makes me feel secure. Now I'm okay because that person makes me happy because they don't. And then when it falls apart, you then feel worse than your last breakup, okay? So you've got to get to that point where true love means that you love them purely and not because it's a need, okay? That is the most beautiful and most comfortable 
and relaxed form of love you're ever going to have. If you feel that you need them, then insecurities creep into the relationship. You think, oh, if, you know, if that person's talking to that person, I might lose them. If that person's you know, going and texting their female friends, they can't, I've got to control them, I might lose them because you think I need them, right? If you're in a situation thinking we're together because we love each other, you're, you're not going to want to control them because you want to get to a point where you think I only want to be with you if you want to be with me. If you don't want to be with me, don't waste my time, goodbye. I'll miss you for a little bit, but goodbye. Be on your merry way, you know. But if you're in a situation where you think I can't lose you because I need you, then you're going to try and hold them to you even if they want to cheat. Who the fuck wants to be with someone that's cheating on them? Not me. So if I'm in a situation where I'm dating someone who's texting everyone left, right and centre and I'm fearful of them cheating on me, then I would just say, look, no anger here, but if you're planning on cheating with me, goodbye. You're not going to have a screaming match. You're not going to get any of that from me, but let's cut the drama and let's cut it here because I don't need you in my life. I want to be with you if you want to be with me. If it's anything but that, I'll tap out happily. You want to get to that point and you only get to that point by doing the work on yourself and I'm not going to mention all the ways because there's many entire episodes where I cover that on self-love, self-respect. Go back and listen to those episodes and those are the episodes. That is what I mean by doing the work on yourself. So when it comes to moving on from someone, one of the most comforting, it sounds cooked, but one of the most comforting things you can do for your healing, not for your pain, for your healing, is to tell yourself that person for whatever reason does not want to be with me write it down have it on a post-it note have it as your background stop telling yourself a lie just say that person does not want to be with me remind yourself of that because then you're going to stop clinging to unnecessary time wasting hope and you're less likely to want to need closure from them or you're less likely to want to, you know, try and get an apology or trying to get this. The, the only thing you need to really make clear in your mind is that person does not want to be with me. So I can wallow and demand closure and think that that's going to be the my cure and think that that's like this perfect potion that's going to solve all my problems or... I can acknowledge that person doesn't want to be with me. Now, what am I going to do about it within the realms of my power, which only really concerns what you can do and who you are as a person? Because your power only extends so far as who you are, okay? Your power, you don't have power over other people's actions and thoughts and decisions. That's not in your realm. So you've only got to focus on what can I do now, knowing that that person does not want to be with me, what can I do now? That is the question you want to ask yourself every day that you are going through a breakup. And it's harsh, but my God, it makes it so much faster. The process so much faster. You want to cut the dead weight, sever it, cut it, okay? And your ex and these ideas that they owe you something is a dead weight. Now let's talk about the third and final point that I wanted to discuss on this podcast, which is... Um, how to get over a love that was never reciprocated. So unrequited love. This is you having a massive crush on someone. Now, this person might know you well. They might be your best friend. They might be an acquaintance. It doesn't matter. It's when you are madly in love with somebody that you never had a relationship with, nothing at all. That is what I'm referring to. Now, just I thought I'd just throw in a little anecdote because, again, I can raise my hand again and say that I have done this. Now, I 
in high school, this is a really funny story. We had this poor, I feel sorry for the dude, this poor exchange student. His name was Antoine, beautiful. I don't even know if he was an exchange student, but he was this Frenchie from France, obviously. Um, and I just thought he was like the greatest thing to ever walk the face of the earth. I was literally obsessed with him. I was so obsessed with him that I mastered the art of stalking. Now, forgive me, please, like, don't hold this against me and don't think I'm a psychopath. I was like 15 or 16 at the time. But in high school, I literally somehow managed and part, partially w- this was because he was in a lot of my sister's classes. He was in the grade above me. But I managed to know where he was, which class he had versus which class I had. So if I was in English, he would be in like PE or whatever. And if I was in um, math, he would be in science, I don't, whatever. And there was time, there, there was one particular class where when I would finish that class, there was a direct crossover where his class was in that classroom. So that's another one that I found out that I knew that that was, you know, concurrent on the timetable. So I would purposely leave items in the classroom like a psychopath so then I could go back and pick up that item that I had left. I'm like, oh, hi, Antoine. <laughs> I was obsessed. I even, he was like a full soccer freak and he played hacky sack. And then I learned how to, well, learn is very, I'll use that word very loosely. I started trying to learn how to play hacky sack, like just juggling the hacky sack. And one, and then I thought if I carry this hacky sack around in my hand all day long, one day, Antoine, maybe during lunchtime, might asked me to play hacky sack and lo and behold my crazy freak dream came true and one day he literally was like oh you play hacky sack and so we started playing we're playing hacky sack and I literally kicked the hacky sack into his balls it was like karma for being such a psycho anyway I never spoke to him again after that other than like I think when they were like leaving school and I signed his shirt and that was like the last time I ever spoke to him because it was obviously never meant to be. This guy clearly had zero interest in me whatsoever. And it was very obvious that I was in love with him. I, there's, I'm going to make that clear. It was very obvious. There's no way he didn't know. So I too can understand from a very psycho version of unreciprocated love. I understand what it feels like where you just so madly love someone. And I've had that since. Obviously not that young. I've had it in my 20s. But nowhere near to that psychopathic extent where I like I just obviously wasn't a psycho. Well, I don't know if it's obvious because I just told this story of me being a psycho, but letting you know, I wasn't. I've been in love with people since and they have not felt the same way back. So how do you get over it? Because there's two things you can do. Firstly, you want to make sure that that person doesn't feel the same way about you. Now, there's many ways of doing this. You can confront them about it and just straight up ask them out And if they say no, that's one very clear way. It's probably the smartest way of doing it. Another one could be they might actually be dating somebody and they have no interest in you whatsoever. Or another one could be their actions have very clearly shown that they are just not interested in you or the way they behave with you is very much like a friend and they may know that you like them, but they don't want to hurt your feelings by saying it outright. So they've just shown you very clearly through their actions that they're not interested in you. What I would recommend before continuing with this segment is if you're not sure, just just ask them, put yourself out of misery and ask them. If you're not willing to ask them and nothing's happening, then you need to get over it. Okay. You need to start taking the steps to move on because if you're not willing to ask them and they're clearly not making any show of affection or that they're into you and you're not willing to take it to the next level by asking them, then you are now wasting your time because nothing's ever going to happen. So you either ask them or you decide to move on. You need to make a decision 
But to stay there wallowing, hoping when you're not taking action is just a waste of your time. Okay. Something you need to think about is that if, and mind you, from here onwards, I'm going to presume that you've either asked them or that they actually are not into you. That's what we're talking about now from here onwards. Something you need to think about is a lot of the time when we are in love with someone where there's been no relationship is because there's no relationship, you create a possibility of a future relationship in your head. You imagine what it would be like to date them. You imagine what it would be like to have them as your significant other, going out with your friends, being close to their family, then being close to your family, doing things together. Like you would have created some sort of hypothetical scenario of what your relationship could be like. Those thoughts then make you fall in love with them even more because of course you're going to imagine the best case scenario of what a perfect relationship could be like. You're not going to imagine a shitty relationship, obviously. So not only are you attached to this person, but then you're attached to this idea that could be if you were together. So we need to cull both these things. We need to cull the feelings to this person. We need to cull these ideas. Now, like I did with the past... um, two scenarios you have to tell yourself this person is not into me they're not interested in me whatsoever they do not like me you need to again cull hope okay hope can't be there you've got to just make it very clear in your mind this person does not want to be with me you want to tell yourself that and that's going to start helping you get rid of this maybe maybe not maybe just be strong with that statement Then another thing, you've got to stop looking for potential clues. These clues mean fuck all. A big one is when they texted you back, did they put an X? Like we as human beings, when we want, this is confirmation bias at its best. We want so badly to find clues that confirm what we want to be confirmed. Did they put an X at the end of the text message? Oh my God, for months they haven't. And now finally they've put an X at the end of the text message and you are now going to become some some mind reader, some clairvoyant and you're going to decide that that meant that they're trying to send you a message, trying to send you a signal that I'm kind of, kind of trying to flirt with you. No, they're not. They just put an X at a text message, at the end of a text message. Stop reading into it. Another one that we read into massively is did they watch my Instagram stories? Stop thinking that someone who watched your Instagram stories, it means that they're interested in you more than just a friend. Because if you turn the tables around, like I look at myself, I watch many guys' Instagram stories that I have zero interest in. Imagine if they liked me and they thought in their heads, oh my God, Alexis is watching my stories. She must like me. Not at all. I just think they're legends and I want to watch their stories, but I have zero interest in them past a friendship. And that might be the case for them in return. Do not look into, even if, let's say, let's say they never watch your stories and then one day you're texting back and forth and then they watch your stories that day and you're thinking, oh my God, we were texting. So now they're thinking about me, about me and now they're watching my stories. It still doesn't mean shit. It doesn't mean shit. Don't look into it. Don't think, did they go on my page to watch my stories? Again, all these actions can be as a friend. So unless they have clearly shown you that they like you, those actions mean jack shit. Don't read into it because it means fuck all, okay? And I think I've said this in another podcast, but this idea of reading into who watched my stories is so, so toxic for yourself because it gives you this like false hope when when. My ex and I broke up. Um, he, I noticed that when I was in LA, he was watching all my stories and I was like, oh my God, 
He's still in love with me. He's watching all my stories as if he wouldn't like what, you know. So I was reading so heavily into it. When I got back from LA, I'm like, we're getting back together, whatever. Long story short, while he was watching all those stories, he was actually with a girl that he was cheating on me with when we were still together. He then was in a full-blown relationship with her. I didn't know that at the time. And... So there's a prime example of someone watching my stories who has zero interest of being with me, okay? So they just, for whatever reason, maybe they're interested, maybe they want to stalk, maybe, you know, especially if it's an ex, don't read into an ex watching your stories. That does not mean that they like you. Maybe they're just like doing their stalk. Maybe they're just wondering how you're going with your life with no intention of wanting to be in your life, you know? So all these little clues that give us false hope, you've just got to look at every clue being like, that means nothing, that means nothing, that means nothing. Say it out loud if you need to, but you've got to be very clear with yourself. Build a bit of a backbone when it comes to these tempting, exciting, quote-unquote clues that they're giving you that it's not a clue, they're just watching your story. It is what it is. Now, another thing that you don't want to do, don't tell yourself, oh, there's unfinished business with this person. Because if you start saying there's unfinished business with that person, you're always in hope of a greater future with this person. There is no unfinished business. What has happened, it is what it is. What's happened so far is what's happened. And it doesn't have to progress any further, especially if nothing's happened to this point. You know, and especially if, like I said, if through some way, shape or form, it's been made clear that that person's not into you, okay? So if you are telling yourself that there's unfinished business, your mind is then starts to play tricks on you to excuse your neurotic behavior on um, putting too much attention into these quote-unquote clues that they're giving you by watching your stories by putting an x at a text message by you know where you where you meet and they place their hand on your lower back none of that shit okay none of that shit get rid of that neurotic behavior stop looking into it if they haven't made it clear that they like you you're going to presume that they don't like you one of the best ways to get over somebody is to just make it clear in your head that they don't like you because hope And hoping that you'll get with that person or hoping that you'll get back with the person is one of the best ways to stay attached to that person. If you can kill hope, as far as relationship goes, if you can slay the hope, then you then start recovering from that point. However, if you hold on to hope, you're never going to truly recover because a part of you is thinking, yeah, but maybe, maybe we'll get together. No, it's not going to happen. No, okay? Now, let's say you've come to this conclusion you've decided no they don't like me I'm not going to read into these clues but I still like them what I would recommend you do is that you want to start changing things up about your life change your routine find a different hobby start making your life start making some big changes in your life for you because if you keep living the exact same life where nothing's changing and you're kind of you know, resisting any other change in your life and staying where you are and everything's the same then you're always focusing on the current reality of the situation and liking them and thinking about them all the time plays into your current reality of your life situation which is I go to work I go to the gym I think about this person I go home I think about this person I hang out with my friends I think about this person so what can you implement in your life that's going to start creating some new experiences for you that's going to kind of shake up your current reality where they're no longer weighing into your thoughts so heavily is there a hobby that you can pick up are there 
friends that you really enjoy that you haven't spent much time with that you could reach out with being like hey we used to be we used to like hang out all the time at uni let's start proper hanging out again are there you know is there something you can start studying is there something that you can do to build yourself up and do things that make you excited about your own life that's going to kind of push that person and the idea of that person and the idea of a relationship with that person it's going to push it into the far far distance to the tiny 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 speck and disappear because you've included all these new things in your life okay so that is what I highly recommend shake up your current reality and you're going to start getting really excited about new things meeting new people and when you meet new people even if you don't like them romantically it they act as expanders for you so that these all these new people represent how many possibilities there are for you as far as friends and romantic partners in your life even if you don't like them you know you'll start realizing wait a minute there's all these awesome people out there that I could potentially date if I liked them it's not like there's only one love for me and now I can't love anyone else because they're so great it's not the case separate to that if you're putting them on a pedestal take them off the pedestal bring them back down to to being human and I've spoken about this many many times stop making them some great godly out of earth being they're not they're human just like you they've got their great upsides they've got their flaws just like we all do you know humanize that person so you stop thinking that they're the only person for you there are many people out there for you this person is definitely not one of them and make that clear in your head so guys those are the three points and I've gone into them in depth like always, when it comes to getting over someone, the best thing you can do is to focus on your relationship with yourself. So if you haven't already, go back and listen to the self-worth, straight up self-love, all those um, podcasts as well. That's going to help you do that groundwork so you feel good about yourself. And then another thing you want to think about is when, when we like someone, often we focus on, and, and especially if it's, we're still caught up on our ex, Let's, this, we're talking about getting over someone here. When we, when we still miss our ex, often we miss a lot of qualities about them. Think about it. What qualities do you miss about that person? And then once you've figured out what it is, like is it that they were so you know, fun to be around or is it that they were super social or is it that you really liked the fact that they were like a go-getter and super successful or confident or whatever? There are a bunch of qualities that's going to tie you to loving that person. You want to identify those qualities and then you yourself want to emit those qualities, okay? You want to gain those qualities for yourself. Learn to be all those things that you loved in that person. You can provide those things for yourself. You want to become the baddest bitch you know. You want to fall in love with how good you are and then that person's going to fade off into the distance because you're like, wait a minute, I literally I'm doing all these things for myself they were confident I also can be confident they were you know a go-getter I can do that they always put themselves out there I'm doing that right now I'm a fucking badass bitch and I love myself sick now because I'm now single and I've got all this time and opportunity to do all these things for myself you've got to find a way to look at yourself at the end of the day your personality your whatever every aspect of yourself and be like fuck yeah this is like the most epic version of myself I've ever been and when you get to that point thinking I'm slaying and it's not this idea because you know how there's those um, things of like the best revenge is you killing it or the best revenge is success this is not about revenge you should never want to do something so they are watching you being like oh wow I wish I had her and you're like tough you can't have me now it's not about that because that means that everything you do is motivated by what your ex is thinking about you 
Don't do that. Okay. Um, something that my cousin actually reminded me of um, when she was going through a heartbreak was that she was so, so heartbroken and she was telling me one day, we were sitting down and she was telling me, she was like, look, I really think that my actions, all my actions are, are like clouded by thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that because my ex is going to think this. Maybe I shouldn't do that because I might burn a bridge with my ex. If I do this, then my ex will never message me again. And then I said to her, and she reminded me of this, so thrilled yourself for reminding me. I said to her, if there's ever a chance where you're going to burn a bridge with your ex or ever an opportunity where you burn a bridge of them wanting to get back with you, burn that bridge. You go ahead and burn it as hard as you can. You want to actively be the one burning the bridge. So that way you can turn around and be like, I actively did that so my ex wouldn't want to get back with me. I actively did that so my ex would think I am over them. I actively did that and showed, put on my social media that I was happy so my ex does think that I'm over them. All these things, you know, you, you can do things in your heartbreak to actively burn that bridge that severs the ability for the relationship to continue again, especially if this was a toxic relationship where you still hold your ex's opinion of you in such high esteem, your toxic ex, you need to burn those bridges as, as quickly and as swiftly as possible. But once you're getting over that heartbreak, whatever, your personal growth from then onwards, you don't want to be doing it hoping that your ex sees it. Okay. Once you've burnt those bridges, once you've severed those ties, you then want to be thinking, I want to be able to wake up and look in the mirror and be like, fuck, I love myself so much more than I did when I was in that relationship. Or I'm so much more thrilled with the person I am, with my personality and my strengths than I was when I was in that relationship. If you can get to that point, then you'd never want to go back to the relationship because that relationship represents your old self. It's an old self that's not grown to the extent that you've grown, not blossomed the way you've blossomed. And that would mean you taking a step back in your personal growth, which you'd never want to do. Okay. So that is what you've got to focus on. You are your own baddest bitch. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. Love you so much. Keep sharing the podcast like you do. I really, really am so grateful for you all, my beautiful audience. Please stop me on the street if you see me. I love it so much. Um, and that is all. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Hopefully, it can give you one or more tools to implement in helping you get over that X. You've got this. You've got it in you and it is your responsibility and you do owe it to yourself. So hit the ground running, hit it hard. Let's do this. Love you all so much. Remember, be kind to yourselves, be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anybody and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.